happy with the coach. Man. Radio, where gamers roll. The Ken Welcome back, listeners, to episode 30 of Geek Ed Radio, your one-stop podcast for the most half-assed geek news in the world. This is one of your hosts, Preacher23. And this is... Who am I again? This is Clayton. And uh, welcome back uh, to this uh, final episode of 2013. Yeah, you almost and... freaked us out there. You're saying final episode. I'm like, what? Really? <laughs> Should I be drinking something stronger? <laughs> <laughs> and this is Courtney. Thanks for being with us. All right. And um yeah, we are we're we're kind of off our schedule. We haven't been doing much in the way of uh, regular broadcasts and we we're going because on the we're every half-assed. Two week. Yes, we are very half-assed. Um it took so much effort to try and get uh, that perfect time down and if you missed our live broadcast last time when we had Natalie Cox on we apologize if you were dying to be there we had to kind of accommodate you know the 8 hour time difference so we're back on schedule Yay and then we're going to have some fun without Natalie Cox yes. which is not nearly as fun No no, unfortunately, we're just we're just gonna have to make do with just us. So, um, well, how how can our listeners get a hold of us if they do want to get a hold of us? Like, say for example, if they want to suggest a show, if they want to give us some constructive feedback, if they want to insult us prolifically, how may ooh, they do ooh, that? Ooh, pick me, pick me. <laughs> I nominate Clayton. If uh, this, if you are a first-time listener to Geekhead Radio, you can find us on Facebook. Just look up Geekhead Radio. You can do the same thing on Google+, on iTunes, where you can uh, download this if, you're not li- if you aren't the one to listen live. <laughs> if you want to give us suggestions, you can either do that on Facebook, or you can send us emails at geekheadradio at gmail.com, or you can send emails directly to each of us at Aaron. Clayton, or Courtney at geekheadradio.com. And don't forget, we're on the D20 Radio Network, and you can reach our forums at d20radio.com forward slash forums. Just look for us under Variety Podcasts, and uh, we're Geekhead Radio, and we don't get much uh, interaction going there. Um, I usually post things. I can see that people look at it, but nobody really comments, and maybe that's good, but... At least we have a steady listenership. Yes. Well, and then, of course, you know, if you can watch us later on on YouTube. Um, we do have that. So, um, you know, make sure to subscribe to us. And if you're not one to listen live, but you love the video, the quality of my exuberance. and uh, seeing... The video adds so much, I'm sure. <laughs> for For our male demographic and some of our female demographic, just being... On video, Courtney, you help us out immensely. 
because Aaron is bald and I'm going bald. So uh, yeah, you're the you're the plus of this equation. Uh, so I I bring I bring the hair to this relationship. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and the stunning hair that it may be. That's all up tonight. <laughs> but I do have to say there is something else that I bring to this uh, podcast, and that would be booze. So let's talk about the drinks of the show. I, I don't know I have, why. You have to do this with <laughs> I I don't know if I have to, but I, I know that if my wife decides to listen to this episode, she'll appreciate the opening. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and that's about it. So, um, Clayton, which, what are you drinking today? I'm going full up with some scotch from the Great Isle of Ireland. Irish scotch. Mm. That just sounds mm-hmm. like an oxymoron. Yeah. Well, you know, they uh, they complain, I mean, the Scots complain, and the Irish just find it funny. <laughs> and Courtney? Mm, yes, once again, I am the Geekhead Radio designated driver. I have um, some Madagascar vanilla bean Mighty Leaf tea. Ooh, party! Now, I found this uh, wonderful little import. Now, um, I've, I've made it fairly clear that I do enjoy the darker beers of the world, and um, I do very much enjoy a dark English ale, which isn't, you know, of course, as dark as a uh, stout, scout, whatever, but I am going to hold up this bottle for the listeners, uh, or for the viewers, I guess, is probably a better thing. (laughs) Listen really hard, and you might see this. I am consuming Hobgoblin Imported Dark English Ale. Now, it is from Witchwood um, Brewery, which is uh, in Oxfordshire, England, and the thing that I love about this is it's got almost an allspice hint of flavor to it, which gives it a nice little bit of an aftertaste. But um, if you can find it imported, uh, definitely do so. You'll know it by its it's it's wonderfully cartoony and very first edition AD and D ish looking hobgoblin with an axe and arrows on his back and a quiver. There's a lot more color there than most. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, and they are brewers of character, so check it out if you enjoy beers of such. So, um, I think I think that being said, um, I think it's time to transition, don't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. All right. Let's talk. <laughs> <laughs> Strangely appropriate for our first news story. Yes. <laughs> uh, for uh, those that love your your superhero movies, we had a a, a bevy of uh, superhero news over the last uh, couple weeks. We have an Ant Man. Supposedly, we actually see if the movie actually actually ever gets made. With the Sandman, Ant Man Man will get made. I. I I know because Marvel Studios is on top of these things. Uh, they've they know what they're doing. They're not Warner Brothers. <laughs> Warner Brothers follows through. They just write the script and then nobody watches the movie. Uh, Unless it's Man of Steel. Uh, yeah. So uh, we uh, found out this week that uh, the much rumored Wonder Woman appearance in Batman versus Superman in 2015 has an actress to go along with it. A uh, 
young woman named Gal Gato. Is it Gato or is it Gatot? Because she is Israeli. T's do exist in there. No, maybe it is Gatot. I I don't know. Actually, I have not heard her name pronounced. Uh, but uh, for those that uh, have uh, followed the Fast and Furious franchise, you will know that this lo- lovely young woman uh, was in the latest uh, number six. Which means absolutely nothing to me. I saw no. the first Fast and Furious, and then I went, that was cute. And then I realized they were making so many sequels, and I went, yeah. <laughs> That's about all I could say. <laughs> yeah. So uh, uh, this is a well, this has probably been the had the largest response for uh, superhero stories in a while, and it all comes down to one physical asset of this poor woman, and the uh, the geeks really need to just kind of lay off. Yeah. If I recall, she had a interview. Um, with an Israeli TV show, and she said, you know, for 9,000 shekels, she could resolve two of the problems. Which I hope she doesn't, because Wonder Woman... I, I'm sorry. They're com- okay, I, I haven't gotten a chance to do tons of research on this. I'm, I, I'm gathering that, <laughs> that they are that they had take issues with her breastuses. Yes, uh, she is a, uh, a, a, uh, a slight woman. Um, Get a life. Yeah, <laughs> and really and the complaints were too is that she wasn't very muscular, which of course people fail to remember. You can work out, right? Yeah. Yes, people do yeah. that all the time for movies. Yeah, and for some reason they don't remember all the physical transformations that uh, male actors go through to pull off mm-hmm. bare-chested roles. Yeah. Why? Can't, why couldn't a woman do it? Exactly. And. I... Yeah, I just, it, it, it's frustrating that that's what they're more concerned with. Now, there are some people that have complained that they're more concerned about her acting ability, which is a valid concern. Fair they enough. said she's, she comes off very wooden in the Fast and Furious franchise. Now, granted, everybody comes <laughs> off fairly wooden in the Fast and Furious franchise. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to use that as a yeah. criteria for e- much of that. Exactly. And we've all seen plenty of movies where a good director can pull out a phenomenal performance now the biggest concern um that and and probably the most realistic one i hate to say um was one that was posted by charlie jane sanders anders excuse me anders uh on io9 um and i don't have the direct article but i want to make sure that i give credit to the person who talked about it is the concern of how Zack snyder portrays female characters in his movies which is a more legitimate concern because what we have to draw from is Watchmen, uh, with very weak female character uh, characters without much in the way of um, initiative or it being anything more than, than a potential victim for sexual assault or <laughs> the machinations of another male character. We have Sucker Punch, which is mm. a fanboy fantasy. I haven't even seen it, and I don't need to, um, <laughs> to say... That's not a fair representation of women in geek culture. Um, 300, who, um, and, and her name is slipping me, Queen Cersei mm. slash Sarah Jane um, Connor and um, Sarah Connor and what, and 
Ah, she was in 300. Anyway. I forgot there was a woman in 300. Yeah, uh, well, <laughs> there you go. Her her big claim to fame is she had sex with um, the person with the most political power in order to mobilize armies. I mean, it's just like women are more than just sexual objects and they can do more with their brain than just with what's going on, you know. I've yeah. been told that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and uh, <laughs> the Wonder Woman character, if he does his portrayal of her wrong, the backlash is going to be wrong, not just from the geek community, mm-hmm. but from oh, yeah. most females, because Wonder Woman is that iconic female superhero who can basically kick the ass of pretty much everybody with the exception of Superman. Well, and there's more to being there's more to being a strong female character than just being able to kick ass too. Yeah. I oh, mean, yeah. there's a lot more to that. And that's that's a problem so many of these so many of these movies have, I think, is that they portray strong characters, male or female, as look, it's strong because I can kick somebody's ass. Yeah. Not necessarily any sort of depth or anything like that, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I hope they at least touch on her ambassadorship role. Okay. Um, I think that would do wonders for Wonder the Woman? character. <laughs> yeah. Well, my my question is, if this is in, in Batman versus Superman, how big is the role? Yeah. Well, there 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 is that question, and there has been hints coming out of the Warner Brothers hierarchy that this is the hook to start a Wonder Woman series of movies, which I'm like, why do you need a freaking hook? Yeah. Don't even get me started. I know why they think they need a hook. Get started. Yeah. No, uh, but I could I could see that you know you wanted to kind of t- wanting to tie everything together and so if there was going to then be more Wonder Woman movies if this is a small role because I think from what I'd read it was going to be nearly nearly a cameo wasn't it or is it, is it supposed to be bigger than that now? Um, there's a lot of con- conflicting information okay. coming on that so I think in the next year we'll in. We can revisit this in a year, and we should know more as far as the level of involvement. Right. Well, and so if there is going to then be, hopefully, follow-on Wonder Woman movies, the the same guy might not even be the one directing it, correct? Which is entirely true, but he ha- he he can set the precedence. And- yeah, he's, yeah, he sets the tone for the character, and... Yeah. yeah. And, and, and my biggest... I, I, I guess it just comes Trying back into... Trying to give him into- the benefit of the doubt here. Yeah. Yeah. It's just it's more studio fear that a female character will not draw in the box office money that they're desiring, and yeah, I I, I get that to a degree. Angelina, I mean, as as campy as the Laura Croft movies were, they did phenomenal at the at the box office. Yeah, and that is a smart kick ass lead female. I mean, Resident Evil has been pulling in money hand over fist for you know. The quality of the movie is kind of crashing again, like that... a crashing like an airplane off the side of a off the side of a skyscraper. <laughs> um, but, worst use of worst misuse of physics ever. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's plenty of examples of it. So, so I don't. Yeah, it's a cop out excuse, and and honestly, I just I, I I really wish they just hadn't bothered to try and shove her into the movie 
Um, Especially if it's going to seem like a shove. Yeah. I hate that. Yeah. I mean, from what it sounds like, it might be the equivalent of the cameo from the original Spawn movie with Angel, who who you see a passing camera go over the ballroom, and you just happen to see a redhead with earrings that look like Angel's earrings. Now, I hated the Spawn movies, and I really wasn't a big fan of the Spawn comic, but, I mean... I, I knew people who enjoyed that back in 1997 yeah. that were like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, you got, this angel's going to be there. Yeah, it sucked. <laughs> and we all know what happened there. Yeah. Shall we move on to something that is intentionally campy? Yes, let's do that. We can, we're going to give our plug for Knights of Badastum now. Yay! Yay! Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Are you guys familiar with the long, sordid, sordid history of this movie? Long I'm, is in two years. I'm aware of it, and and knowing the sordid, long amount of pain that studios have had trying to bring this to our, our, our wonderful judgment-free zone. Mm. Um, <laughs> yes. And remembering how that same thing happened with fanboys and what we ended up with. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, yeah, let's... Well, you'll, you'll you'll have to explain uh, the the pain that this has come because I've I've just seen the trailer and uh, it, it looks pretty fault. cool. It is your fault that this is that this has become such a such a big hot button issue in my house, Clayton. <laughs> 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 because you forwarded the trailer and 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 yes, we've we've been wanting to see this see this ever since. Um, I believe they did. They they first talked about this movie in uh, San Francisco Comic Con 2011. Was that was that about when you forwarded the trailer? Actually, I just discovered I it last trailer. month. Um, you are misremembering. Oh, I think you probably <laughs> saw it once, <laughs> forgot have, have that it sh- existed, and this found twice? it again. Uh, yes, you say you sent it out to the gaming group, and Kyle has been obsessed with seeing that this comes to uh, that this comes to Colorado Springs ever since. Oh, so wow. yes, yeah, so this is a movie. Um, this is a movie about about originally at least about larpers. What happens when 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 larpers and not vampire larpers, you know, the ones that go <sighs> go to a big field and do and do like fantasy battle reenactments. What happens when LARPers come upon come upon a real spell book and accidentally summon a succubus? That's comedy gold right there. That's awesome. <laughs> um, okay. Going to be fabulous. It has Summer Glau in it and Peter Dinklage, pre-Emmy. All, all sorts of stuff. And so, yeah, the... They've been working to get this to get this movie done, and the director. What I'm told is the director needed some money, some extra money for special effects because if you do not have the top quality special effects for something like this, it's totally going to fall flat. He needs. The, the guy says, "Fireball," and then throws an apple at somebody. Yes, it's awesome. You need uh, to have that apple perfectly rendered. God damn it. <laughs> He needed more money for post-production special effects. And the producer said, no, this is crap. You know what? I can save a ton of money by firing you and, re- uh, and re-editing this all myself. Oh, God. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so what, what, was, what was sure to be a, a pinnacle of artistic movie achievement um, then, then was, put in, was put in the hands of the producer who, who apparently you know, changed the, the artistic vision, all sorts of things, and then couldn't find, was having problems finding somebody to buy it. There you go. <laughs> 
so, yeah, so this has been going on for two years at least, and pretty much, uh, yeah, since since Clayton sent the, the preview that he totally forgets about, my <laughs> husband has been checking this obsessively. And apparently, I believe in April, they showed it at a uh, convention in Tel Aviv. Oh, God. A little connection back to, back to Wonder Woman. And so there is a com- full, complete version, and it is supposed to come out... Um, I believe uh, for limited screenings through Tug, if you guys are familiar with that, it's kind of like Kickstarter for movie, uh, Kickstarter for, for movie screenings. Um, it's supposed to come out, uh, I believe, in end of January, and then it'll be available video on demand. Um, so in other words, this is going to be another Dorkness Rising, in my opinion. Totally. Something where people, there's going to be a few select people that will find it absolutely fucking ridiculous, and the general public will look at it and go, you pass. I say we get together, the three households, we'll stream it, and we'll watch it together and make live comments. There you, there you go. There, that's a, there you go. There's a possibility. Well, my husband has, wanted to, has talked about wanting to, get, wanting to see about getting a tug screening, and we, we know out of people that you we maybe could have done that. The problem is, is they're scattered between Colorado. Well, they're scattered all over the place, and I'm not sure that we could get enough people in one location to watch it but yeah okay. if nothing else it, it made me familiar with tug which i hadn't heard of before yeah and and if you had brought up the the whole idea of a tug website i would have had a completely different idea but now I know. i've been clarified i know yeah but uh the initial preview really was was hilarious um previews I, I, can be made to be i know hilarious. they can be. i know peter dinklish beating someone senseless with foam swords that's yeah. gold. Let's also yeah. remember his initial scene in Elf. That's true. <laughs> well, uh... and you know, apparently, as a as a sign of what has happened to what has happened, perhaps to this movie, um, I read. I don't know how true this is that they went back and had to re-record some of his lines with somebody other than Peter Dinklage, probably because <laughs> he's won an Emmy now. <laughs> oh, great. but yeah. So, uh, unfortunate. Such high hopes, ish, and now they're lower. <laughs> but i know a lot of people were looking forward to it so a few, a, a few. at least at least a few hopefully between 65 and 70 to be able to get together at <laughs> all right make this all better now tweeting yeah. sharks i mean <laughs> you tweeting. did it again <laughs> tweeting sharks tweeting tweeting tweet tweeting sharks yes Yes, yes. This, yes, uh, the nice segue into real news. I was really hoping to find the perfect uh, Sam Jackson quote from Deep Blue Sea for this story, but (laughs) I I didn't get a chance. Um, Yeah, so they've, after, um, in, in Australia... Uh, they've decided to. They have tagged uh, a bunch of bunch of sharks. Was it like three hundred? Yep, three hundred. Three hundred over three hundred sharks um, with little transmitters that will sense when they get to when they get within a kilometer of the beaches and then tweet that there is that, that there are sharks in the area. Uh, I'm coming to eat you. Ha, ha, yeah. ha, 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 ha. <laughs> yep. Hashtag oh, yeah. eat a surfer. Yeah. No. Hope the plan is hopefully <laughs> when people because you know the the whole the whole you know hunting of sharks is actually bad business and hopefully people will be less 
unnecessarily afraid if they know they're getting if they're getting up to date uh, up to date notifications when the sharks are in the area because you know it is kind of their habitat. Fuck tuna, eat a toddler. Hashtag YOLO. <laughs> yeah. So, it's yeah. it's a good use of uh, technology. No, it's not. Uh, what? No. Well, well, when I was I went to I went to Australia a couple of years ago, and I was in I was in Perth, and I think several of the, many of the days that I was there, the beaches were closed for were closed because of shark sightings. I get that, saying. but you're not going to sit there and say, "I wonder what the shark is twerking tweeting." No, <laughs> I don't know. I spent, you, a, I spent quality time wondering what the shark was tweeting after I read this. <laughs> no, but they're, what they're saying is the just shark warnings were coming swimming. probably about 24 hours after the sharks were actually there, and I don't know if you're. Which means you had 24 hours for the shark to go. <laughs> the humans love this. Watch this. Dana, Dana. Look. I don't know. So, so this gets gets it out there sooner. And let me tell you, these if you're a hardcore surfer, I'd imagine you're gonna actually check this. It's like checking the surfer the the. Okay, when you when when you put it that way, I can I can kind of see it, but they're doing what thirty sharks, three hundred, three hundred still. I don't gotta start somewhere. Yeah, that's like that's that's like sticking these on bears and and hoping that the one bear that's gonna eat you just happens to be tweeting, "Mm, tasty camper." (laughs) Well, if 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 one works, then they'll start tagging other ones. Exactly. Three hundred is a very powerful it, number. See, see previous movie references. It is not <laughs> creation for the Australians. Also, remember there's the gonna, world's there's, population. There's going to be a minimum wage to... job that where the the job description is tag great white sharks, and the qualification yep. the qualification is going to be IQ less than one hundred. <laughs> <laughs> These are like Plus, the people that follow SpaghettiOs. I mean, it's just. Why? Plus, I, I can't wait to see I can't wait to see the live tweeting of Shark Week. <laughs> That's gonna be awesome. Bag the surfer today. Hashtag <laughs> yummy. So when I read the headline, what I thought was they were gonna use this to like I don't know broadcast a GPS signal that everybody could follow it so they could see the migration patterns. And I get that 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 would be totally cool too. That's probably also what's going to happen, but. Oh, they're already doing why that Twitter? in South, uh, South Africa, so I know. But why I totally Twitter? see it coming this way. I got something for them to tweet. All right, whatever. <laughs> you're going to have it. They're going to have their phones inside their witch, their wetsuit, and it's going to ding once the the GPS signals start to converge, and they'll just get like bing, 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 and well, then there'll be a spurt of blood, and it'll be a constant tone. <laughs> Okay, so two out of three Geekhead Radio hosts thinks this is kind of cool. One, <laughs> not so much. Gotcha. Does does this shock anybody at this not point really. in the game? <laughs> <sighs> all right, all right. Enough of this. Let's let's. <laughs> this bodes well for the meat of the show. Yeah, let's um, let's get to the get to the meat of this. <laughs> I I was hoping that I could sit there and find like the something to introduce it. I'm, I'm not entirely sure if this will work. 
I guess it will. Alright, so... We had a brief discussion. We were we debating between... What's that? We are so gonna get sued. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right! I gotta stop. YouTube. So- sorry, it was an accident. It was only a couple seconds. <laughs> For editorial purposes only. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Um... We had a discussion prior to the show, and we were trying to, to make the determination. Do we do the Geek Year in review, uh, talk about everything that came out in 2013, and uh, or should we talk about um, the differences between movies, fantasy movies, science fiction movies, any movie in general, and its literary source material? And when is it okay to deviate from the source material, but to stay within the theme, when is it okay to ignore it entirely, and when does creative license go too far? And, and the answer is obviously whenever we say. Yes. Which is why we're doing this show. <laughs> <laughs> and we are going to have the most definitive answer for you, because our listeners hang on our every word. No, they don't. You should <laughs> never hang on our words. They're not very stable. You should question us at all times. Always. Always, always, always. always. So, let us begin. Um, Now, I I want this to be a little bit more of an organic conversation of sorts, but we do, of course, have our show notes, and they help guide us. So, let's let's talk in general here. Um, What, uh, and I believe this is how it's written out, um, when do... When do the movie adaptations or television adaptations um, exceed the literary work? It doesn't. Wow. Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> hey, yeah, I'd say. Um... I mean, I've seen some good apt- adaptations. I don't think nothing comes immediately to mind where the movie was just flat out better than the literary work. I have one, <sighs> and it's on the list. Now, okay. I'm going to say really? The Mist. Oh, don't you? Oh, well, okay. The ending of go. The Mist. Yes, The Mist. Yes. Okay, now... Shameless Sam Witwer, Sam Witwer plug. Come on our show. Come Thank on. You. Please, please. We need you. <laughs> Courtney, Courtney needs you. Natalie said that she'd love to have you on, too. We can have a reunion. Anyway. But yes, I would. that is why I put that on there. I would agree. I would agree with The Mist that that is... Yes. So, now, but what, what in The Mist... Um, I have not watched The Mist. It's actually, uh, I've, actually, I've never actually read The Mist either. So what makes it better than its source material? I well, read The everyone... Mist. Well, uh, just real quick. I read The Mist so long ago that I am not the person to talk about what was different. Um, because I read it, I think, when I was 13. And the movie came out in, like, 2006. So... <laughs> The main thing is the ending. Yes. Anyone who is anyone, even those who are a fan of Stephen King, will tell you he can't write endings very well. He will even admit, if you read, you know, if you read some of his some of his books where he kind of alludes to it, that the ending is not the important part of the story for him. It's it's the journey, and the ending's kind of. Eh. Um, so the the ending of the story uh, was actually kind of kind of lame um our spoiler alert are we let no let's away here? let's okay i i don't want to ruin the ending let's okay. just talk about 
That's the main as thing. As vague as we can. Okay. Um, the ending of... Let's see. The ending of the story was kind of... Even Stephen King will tell you the ending of the of the movie is much, much better. And if he had thought of it, he would have done it. Yes. Now, um, to give credit where credit's due, I believe Frank Darabont, um, who uh, mm-hmm. is more, most recently known for, I believe it's Mob City and The Walking Dead um, and The Green Mile and Shawshank Redemption. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's a fucking phenomenal director. The, Just the good end Stephen of story. King adaptations. Yes. And he decided it needed a a stronger ending and the ending that he came up with is so perfect that i can't watch it it is awesome (laughs) knowing the ending it wrenches my gut on a level that i own the movie and i have yet to watch it again um but i i want so desperately but i can't get in the mindset and i can't even explain why if you've seen it, you know why. If you haven't, mm-hmm. you need to see it. Um, it's it 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 fits what's going on so perfectly well because it becomes more of a statement about human nature than it does about it being a horror movie. Mm-hmm. The ending of the book kind of like oh look ending we're kind of done blah and yeah it kind of tapers off with and it's not really within the theme really the feel of the rest of it and yeah i frequently figure out that i'd prefer endings of movies by let's see what could we do that would just drive the knife in and just twist it into the audience as much as possible and that's what the ending did in the movie yeah yeah, yeah. without a doubt yeah much better so that's when it when it goes well now yeah, because not only was it a better ending, it also actually fit in with the theme of the story better than than what was actually there. Yeah, far, which far is, superior. Yeah, which is when I think it's okay to make changes and additions if you're doing it with the theme of the original work in mind. Okay. Um, now, I'm going to let... From here on out, let's 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 kind of move along with how this has been set up, um, because I'm curious where everybody was going with their show notes here. So, so I just took it out of order. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> perfectly fine. Okay, I, think, okay, I, think, I think it's good I to. There are rare exceptions to the movie is better, and I think that's the way we should start it, and then we can talk about what was. What made good adaptations where wandering away from the book was done properly and when it wasn't done well at all? Or they just went out in the left field and you're like, well, the name's the same, but I don't even think the characters are the same. Um, so I think that's a good place to start. Okay. So I, I led off with, with Ender's Game because if you read the book and then you saw the movie, you were, well, if you read the book and you knew there was a movie, you were like, how the hell are they going to do a movie about a character that where most of it's done inside of his head? Most of the book is inside of Ender's head, his reasoning, his thinking, and that, that cannot translate well to screen. 
Okay. And now I read the book when I was thirteen um, as well. It just thirteen was a magical year for me for the discovery <laughs> of science fiction. It was when my father decided to lend me his books, but <laughs> but I don't remember a lot more other than it was the big twist at the end, which really wasn't a huge twist. But you know, he thought he was in a training exercise, and it turns out he was committing genocide. Yes, um, and they they kept the the themes of the book there. Um, but because there was so much that actually occurred in Ender's head, you can't do that. I mean, I mean, some things, some of the angst that he felt, at least outwardly, translates into the movie. But they had to cut out huge sections and, and rapidly advance the storyline to keep it within a viewable timeline without putting the audience to sleep. And they did a okay job. Um, yeah, this was a pretty def- forgettable movie from what I heard. Um, it's not, it's probably going to get some nominations for Oscars for visual effects, but it really doesn't deserve anything other than the, the, uh, other than the actor who played Ender, whose name eludes me as most names do. Um, he did a really good job of trying to portray, what was going on in Ender's head physically, outwardly. Uh, the rest of the uh, the portrayals were rather wooden, um, with the exception of Harrison Ford's character. Uh, Harrison Ford, uh, surprisingly, can play, a, can play a backstabbing asshole really well. It's And, and just to keep things consistent uh ender was played by asa butterfield yes butterfield yes uh he did he did a really good job portraying ender the rest of the performances were pretty forgettable so it sounds to me like one of the major hurdles was attempting to it it, the it the book wasn't presented in a way that really was going to translate well yeah and the uh the 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 writer shoot name um orson the, scott card orson scott card yes card uh basically said every time that he was uh approached he's like you're welcome to try it can't be done and i'm surprised that anyone tr- listens to him anymore but you know anyway uh, i mean he made some good money off of this so it basically came down to oh you want to put money in my pocket go right ahead um but he was right it does not translate well to the screen. Congratulations for being right. Yeah. On something. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. Bigot asshole. Anyway. <laughs> so so it wasn't necessarily as much that they I, I haven't seen it. It wasn't as much that they tried to make did they make any major changes to the no. themes or anything? It's just that it no. just the source material just is better in your head. Yeah. It totally is. They they tried, but there's just no, it, you can't you can't grab it and, and turn it into something that's presentable on screen without making it six hours long. It would make a great miniseries. That I can believe, mm. and which is part of the reason why I'm glad that you know for what they've done with Game of Thrones, they chose that route versus doing a movie because it never would have worked that way. I'm yeah, I'm of the opinion lately that if it's not a short story there's probably too much information to do it any sort of justice in the movie. Yes. Yeah. 
Now let's talk. Um, let's talk the Hunger Games. Now, the I've seen both movies. As I've um, um, slacker. <laughs> well, that requires you to go out in public. Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> one you will light. burn, and two you will take people with you. <laughs> um, now this is another another novel where there is just a lot of presented information. Um, <laughs> I, well, I guess that depends. I mean, when you fit one paragraph per page, it's kind of hard to really deem it as such. Um, <laughs> but they did a they did a good job of, of visually presenting the the world, the dystopian world that uh, this uh, occurs in, and uh, it, it keeps very true to the themes. Uh, keeps true to the characters, even even when it doesn't, when it like hacks off entire sections, it's very much in the you know I I really didn't need that to advance the story. Yeah, and I think the only thing that I can speak of is um, uh, my wife and I saw um, chasing or excuse me catching fire uh, last week, and the one bit of information that would have been a little bit more interest, uh, helpful to have, and it obviously was something that was probably filmed and was cut, and you'll see it as a deleted scene, was the understanding of when one of the morphlings was killed, and um, I don't recall who it was, it may have been PETA, um, was telling that person to look up at the sky and, and notice all of the bright, vibrant colors. You know, that's 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 a peaceful way to go. Um, I had to have my wife tell me afterwards that the reason why he said that is is when they were asked to display their talent, the Morphlings were actually – they would paint each other's faces whenever they had the opportunity in bright, vibrant colors. So they were very attracted to vibrant colors. So it's like, okay, that little piece of information would have been helpful, but at the same time, I can understand why that – Disappeared, and they could have cut out the characters entirely, but the death of the Morphling was necessary to drive home a couple of points at the very end of the movie. Yeah. Clayton, have you read the book? Yes. Okay. One of the criticisms that I heard of the first movie, and there was actually I, there was actually a huge article on NPR because I'm a dork um, hey, I, that I, I that I read about it uh, and listened <laughs> and listened to the interview. And the the critic said that his big problem with the first book, with the first movie, actually, was that it wasn't violent enough. Hmm. Well, I, yes, they did back off a lot of the violence, mm -hmm. and they and they did that in the second movie as well. And I think it's because. To go to the level of violence that was described in the book, they could not have had the people they wanted in the seats there. Yeah, see, and, I, and that's one of my pet peeves with changes. Things that bother me when they change it in, in movies, you know, don't always bother other people. But that struck me. Basically, what this critic said was, "You actually lost some of the theme of the book." Because if I by if, doing that by with that being said. Um, the very first chunk of the movie and throughout the entire thing. And Jennifer Lawrence is a phenomenal actress for being able to portray this so well is her coming to terms with the trauma she endured in the first movie book. Um, there's a lot of elements of PTSD that's that are present there. And she pulled that off better than anything else. Her P PTSD hmm. was much more realistic and believable than say, um, Tony Stark was in Iron Man 3 where his PTSD was was 
comical was obviously written by someone who didn't understand how trauma works. Yeah. And, and, and I, I, I would have preferred a more accurate representation, but I don't think the movie would have gotten the following or the acclaim that it did without it. It would have probably, it would have probably have withered on the vine and would have basically been castrated by the majority of the audience for, uh, for the theme it was trying to put across. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Too, too many people did never read the book, so it didn't understand what they were actually doing to these kids. Yeah, this this critic said you, he felt that you pretty much lost the theme, and maybe it was actually almost communicating the opposite. Hmm. Um, no, I would de- I would definitely okay. disagree with him. Okay. Um, it I would say on a scale of one to ten, where they needed to be at a ten, it was probably uh, a six or maybe a seven in some certain. They didn't take those extra gory steps um but they still they still communicated the violence upon the kids well enough to get the point across i thought now having not read the books i i i can i can't speak on that but um knowing knowing what i do in my chosen field um there is a point where the violence you have the glorifying of violence, gory factor, and then you have the portrayal of true violence and the impact it has on the human psyche where I think I think they would have struggled to get people to understand they weren't glorifying the violence if they took it to that level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think they I think they would have been uh hung with that uh, yeah. that sign if they had gone to where they needed to do to be truly accurate okay. to the book. Yeah, th- this critic thought that at the level they were doing, it seemed glorifying. If they had hmm. gone more, it would have actually shown it was horrible. I don't know. I'm just saying what I read. But the question is, is that when you go to go see something, you know, when you're visually seeing it versus mentally constructing it, um, do you need to see the horror or do you just need to see the impact on the character because when it's in your when it's in the book it's in the in it you know how the written word is is that no matter what the author is trying to portray it's not going to come out 100% accurate to what he's trying to describe even if he's Robert yeah. Jordan trying to describe a room in 16 pages before he anything goes any further, that that's a whole other topic. Let's yeah, move on. <laughs> but when you but but when you are doing a film or television or anything like that, what you see is what is shown on the screen is exactly what's going to 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 be done there, and you have to get so overt with subtleties that they lose that obvious subtlety. That um, it defeats the entire purpose. So if you showed the graphicness of the violence, you may more find people picking apart. That doesn't look real. That doesn't have exactly. that. That that looks like a cheap special effect. Versus seeing the emotional reaction on the character's face. Whereas in the book, when you're reading it, you are creating a mental construct, and you can make it as graphic and as horrible as you need it to in your own mind. Mm-hmm. 
So that, yeah, that. and he he wrote this before the second movie, and it sounds like sure. the second movie they do a lot of more exploration of that. Maybe. maybe they definitely go into the psychological side. Yeah. So. So okay, let's let's move on here. We have Silence of the Lambs. So, have either of you read the book? I have not. Yes. So, and I and I did some. I did a lot of uh, reading when, as I was posting these, and this one pretty much across the board, with one notable exception. Everybody's like, they got this right. Hmm. I thought so. The only notable thing that was left out of the movie was Starling's uh, uh, romance with one of the other characters, which is totally not needed for the main uh, plot line of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, so, I that would have been in a in a I don't remember how movie how excuse me how long the movie is ninety minutes or so. Um, I think it's pretty long even then that that is not a movie that warrants itself to having some free time to explore her relationship with anybody outside of the twisted relationship between her and hannibal lecter yeah i think that's where the focus needed to be and the director and the writers made the correct decision to say that's really not needed for us to drive home what we want for this movie I think it's really hard to pick. I mean, that was pretty clear cut, but in a lot of instances, it's harder what's needed and what isn't. And yeah, I don't think they get it right a lot of times. But okay, so but they did there. Okay, all right. Um, so that that's an example of when they get it right um, or as close as they can. Now let's say let's let's move on to Harry Potter before we hit what actually inspired me to start this entire conversation speaking um, of things that they just kind of gloss over and then go oh by the way <laughs> yeah. maybe we didn't need maybe this wasn't the 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 plot point so we can just kind of get rid of it and then just casually mention it at the end harry potter the entire romance between him and um jenny um well, well, uh, i never liked her much yeah. they um <laughs> uh, that was i that no I think I we, we, that we will uh, talk to the majority of the people who have read the books and then went to see the movies because of the books mm-hmm. that there is so much information. These books are tomes. Mm-hmm. I mean, seven, eight hundred, nine hundred pages a piece. Yeah, but if you really that... condense that into base, I mean, let's let's be real. They're really only two hundred and fifty page books if you were to condense the actual text. I'm sorry, I'm being picky. <laughs> you are being picky, um, but there is, there, but there is so much flavor text. There is so much environmental descriptions, and, and it's just not the the Tolkien uh, in J.K. Rowling going through and having to, sc- to describe the Rolling Hills for no other reason other than to describe the Rolling Hills. Mm-hmm. She describe she de- she goes through and really creates scenes um, that translate well to the screen, but she also puts in lots of side uh, uh, plots that are key to understanding the whole story. That are com- that are the reader says that is cool. That were just totally not covered in the movies at all, or just. Oh yeah, by the way. And in 
in general, I thought these I thought these did a pretty good job. I I love the movies. I thought they did a pretty good job of you know communicating what was necessary um, to get to get everything across. Mm-hmm. I actually thought the movie of Goblet of Fire. I enjoyed that more than the book. I almost stopped reading. Uh, the books at that point, and I know that was when she was embroiled in a bit with her publisher about timelines and everything. But um, I, I thought Goblin of Fire movie did a very good job of condensing that ginormous book down into what really was important. And there were some little things here and there that I didn't that they left out. I'm like, okay, I see why for pacing. But that whole series, in my opinion, was about Snape. It was. <laughs> And the whole, they glossed over so much Snape stuff that at the end of Half-Blood Prince, they're like, oh, yeah, and by the way, it's Snape. Uh, that, that was not handled well, in my opinion. <laughs> now, I stopped reading um, at um, Order of the Phoenix, so I can't really... Oh. Really Sorry. Say well, you know sure. what? I hadn't read Ender's Game either, so there. No, 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 no. I'm not complaining. <laughs> I've seen all of the movies, so, but yeah. oh, so okay. I, I, I don't have the knowledge oh. to say how much they did that or not. But I, I do recall becoming more progressively. I think I started focusing more on just the element of, oh, this all seems to wrap up just in time for graduation. I mean, it just that in and of itself was a problem for me. (laughs) Is that everything neatly wrapped up within the school year, and then luckily in the last book or so, they stopped caring. (laughs) They dropped out. (laughs) Yeah, basically. Well, yeah, they dropped out, exactly. Well, yeah. No, it's the... There was such a Snape buildup, and then... the whole time through Half-Blood Prince watching it, and my husband hadn't read him, I'm like, when are they going to get some of the neat stuff about Snape? When is some of this going to start trickling out? And then it was like, all of a sudden at the end, oh, the entire movie is named, movie and book is named after him. Oh, by the way, here's why. Yeah, I mean, they, they the, the whole series of books is little subtle yeah. hints that when he finally goes, oh, by the way, it's me, you're like, of course it is. Uh, yeah. Uh, rather than, uh, what, what do you mean it is? Which yeah. is the way the movies came out. And yeah, and that was not there at all. Yeah, I was like the yeah the whole the whole movie is named after this dude, and then all of a sudden it's going to be oh, and here's what's really been going on. Puke, <laughs> right there mm. at the end. So I was like, okay, yeah, okay. that was the my biggest complaint with it. In general, I thought they did a really good job, but. The movies are entertaining. I will definitely give them that. And yes, I can nitpick them, but I enjoyed seeing them. And in the end, as a movie watcher, that's what matters. Okay. Now let's talk about when when you're not condensing material, when you're creating material in already something that is <laughs> so chock full of detail that yeah, Lord of the Rings. Let's you know what? Let's ignore Lord of the Rings. Let's just go straight to the Hobbit. Because the Lord of the Rings that's have what come. What you really gone. want to talk about? You don't care about Lord of the Rings. It's just that's that's just that damn Hobbit. Well, <laughs> I, I I can hit the points Filthy that I Hobbits. want to bring up here. So I own all of the extended editions of the Lord of the Rings, um, Fellowship, um, Two Towers, and Return of the King. And there are always, of course, there are going to be elements that just irritate the living shit out of me. One. The whole Aragorn is the reluctant king to make him a little more angsty. That kind of annoyed me, you know. But I can see 
why they had to do it for the purposes of character development. Because Tolkien is horrible at character development. That's not what he's there to talk about. He's there mm -hmm. to talk about mythology. If there's any character development, it's mostly you coming to empathize with Gollum, and that's about it. <laughs> you just realize this poor person is a fucking drug addict, and that's about it. Um, it's about the world to him. It's about the themes. And so to make a character reluctantly say, I don't know if I want this, that's fine, to a degree. Um, you know, there's... Now, take the scene, let's take Helm's Deep, for example, um, with Lord of the Rings. They added the elves jumping in to, um, to help the Rohirrim. Now, I'm a person that has read The Silmarillion twice. Uh, don't ask me why. <laughs> <laughs> nerd! Very much a nerd, but my retention levels are not as, as, as good as some. So I love reading them, but I don't, re I don't hold on to all the little tiny details. But... Um, with this, I understand that the in the context of the movie, he wanted to show Peter Jackson wanted to show the elves standing united with the humans. Whereas in the books, you know that the elves are off doing things. They're fighting Dol Gador. They're helping um, at Erebor during the war of. You know, the, or the battles at um, Os Giliath and, and uh, Minas Tirith. So you know that the elves are doing something, but you can't casually do that on the screen without it just looking ridiculous, where you suddenly cut to say, oh, and by the way, there's a huge battle going over here. Back to our main characters. Um, <laughs> and, and so thematically, I know what, why they did that. I also know why on the level of the reality that Tolkien he didn't write female characters he didn't they existed yeah and that's it um they were static they had no pathos they had no ethos they just were there and they were there to be somebody that somebody was pining after but you didn't know why you just knew that I, i'll be honest i remember the first time i read lord of the rings um i almost completely forgot that r1 existed i yeah you know, I you did not give a rat's behind about Arwen. Yeah, Arwen. Arwen, I did though. Yes, felt, and and probably I cared more about her because Arwen. Who cares? Yeah, she's an elf. <laughs> Fuck you. You've got this ringwraith slayer. Get her. <laughs> and and that is the only place where he really thrived with writing mm -hmm. a female character was her. But she yeah. was still kind of a one trick pony. She ended yeah. up being a very critical one trick pony. But, you know, she stated right off the get-go, I want to fight. No, you can't fight. Why can't you fight? You're a girl. Okay. So she goes out and pretends to be a boy, and she fights, and she wins, and everybody, you know, the, everybody would have died had it not been for Eowyn. Let's not mm -hmm. take that away from her. But that's it. That's all she is. Um, so giving Arwen a little bit more to do, you know, having her be the one that rescues Frodo and, and summons up the river... The, the Bear River. I can't remember what it's called now. <laughs> um, uh, and having the horses instead of it being actually Gandalf who who summoned the horses. I mean, th th there were some things where I'm like, okay, I get why you're doing that. And coming back to it, I get why the cr character of Toriel, Toriel, I think it is, mm -hmm. th um, was added into the Desolation of Smog. Now, let's talk about when... 
creative license overwhelms additional information <laughs> to these types of things. Um, okay. I can enjoy the river fight scene in Desolation of Smog. I can appreciate the dwarven battle versus smog in the movie. But let's be real. These were added only to lengthen the movies so that you could have three movies. They served no other character development purpose other than that, except for possibly with Smog to show that the dwarves were more than just greedy miners who were obsessed with precious metals. They wanted to show that they didn't just wake up Smaug and then Bard was the one that had to save uh, Lake Town and he was the one that really was the hero of that. Um, so I can see why they wanted to try and like give more depth to the dwarves and while I'm not a big fan of you know just bloat for bloat's sake um, I know a lot of people that hated despise Desolation of Smog more than than um, An Unexpected Journey. And one of them is one of our past guests was, uh, was Cheryl. Um, I, she was the one, she was the one that, that talked about anime on our show um, about, oh, I don't know, a year ago now? <laughs> quite, not quite that long. Not that but, long. but on Facebook, she, she despised it. Um, I know a couple of our regular listeners um, Garrett Crow, he specifically stated that that was the worst movie you'd ever seen. He could not stand it. Now, there's someone who's never seen Dark Star. Has never seen Dark Star? Is that what <laughs> yeah. you said? Yes. I love that movie. It's funny. Anyway. Or Flesh for the Beast. <laughs> so Clayton and I kind of talked about this earlier. Both of us are of two minds when it comes to the movie. I, I We both like The Hobbit. We both like the movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that I can mentally project myself into my son, in a sense, to see why they added some more combat and got them more goofy. But let's let's talk about... I don't know how much to blame, blame Peter Jackson for this and how much to blame MGM and New Line Studios for trying to pad their bottom line. Because no movie is made for altruistic reasons. Nobody does it to say, we want to preserve the art. They're, they want to fucking make money. So, yeah, the, okay. people, the people who make it for arts, they're the they're the little independent movies that don't make any money, mm-hmm. but go on to become Oscar winners. And then that's, and why, then that's why blockbusters never are Oscar winners, except for you. You have to spend three movies and a billion dollars before you get recognized. Yeah. Okay, I have not seen this one yet. I was hoping to get out this weekend to do it, but it hasn't happened. Um. Okay, so it sounds to me like you're saying they added a bunch of battle scenes tons to make it bigger tons well i don't just, have a problem just... with what you're saying about some of them were kind of goofy because while that annoys the crap out of me um there was i mean the hobbit was full of puns and mm-hmm. all sorts of stuff and that's within the the theme of, and tone of the book yes but uh, yeah adding battle scenes for the sake of battle scenes those are long movies Yes. Uh, you'd have enough to do a movie with to do three movies without them. Yes. So let's take for example the escape from uh the Wood Elves kingdom. Mm-hmm. Um in the book uh 
Bilbo gets them all stuffed into the wine barrels and they go down the river and he, they don't get out until they reach Lake Town and he becomes the barrel rider because he's the one trying to keep every, everyone together and they're all almost dead when they reach uh, Lake Town. In the movie, it becomes this grand escape where the guards are immediately aware that the escape is occurring and as the elves go to intercept, then the orcs led by Azog, well, not by Azog, but they've been deployed by Exo- Azog. By, yeah, by him. Um, they come across the dwarves at the same time, and so you have this massive battle going on. And then, because Hollywood doesn't know how to create a female character without them, you know, pining after a male character, Tariel has got this burgeoning relationship going on with with uh killy or whatever adrian what's his face's character mm-hmm. which is i'm okay you know, it, it's all right but but to me i look at it and i go can there be a female character in a fantasy movie that isn't in love with somebody else can't they be driven by the same motivations as a male character without yeah. a romantic interest that is utterly not necessary. That is something that would tick me off. Ugh. So, so Toriel, who's a female character that they add because there are no females in mm-hmm. The Hobbit, and that I understand, but her motivation for leaving her home and, and, and going against orders once again is to follow a boy. Oh, okay. And, and then that, Crap. to me, completely neuters the entire purpose of having a strong female character mm-hmm. not every female out there obviously um will go running out and defy everything they establish she's 600 years old too well that's what, pretty much would, like elf 16 right <laughs> <laughs> now they give her a little bit more purpose she makes comments about you know this is all all our fight too and okay to a degree but once again they're ignoring the fact that it's an adventure story and they're turning it into yet another epic which doesn't conclude itself until return of the king which we've already seen so it's it's kind of a pointless build-up there's no need for it in my mind clayton what's your opinion looking at both the unexpected journey and the desolation of smog the the two the two things that that come immediately to mind is watching unexpected journey my thought throughout the movie was wow this is a really long unneeded movie <laughs> at the end of desolation of smog i was like wow that was a long movie i i what did you think was unneeded in the first one all the extended chase stuff yes they they, they really padded it with 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 chase scenes that okay. were that were not needed, it really drew the movie out probably a good extra half an hour, 40 minutes than it really needed. Now, I loved every... I, I was one of the... Uh, maybe I, I assume I'm not the only person, but I'm one of the people that enjoyed the hell out at the beginning of the movie when there was no action. I loved the scene mm-hmm. of the dwarf showing up. That entertained me because I remember that yeah. as a kid, reading that book and just... You know, just like, oh my god, the dwarves are irritating the shit out of Bilbo, and and you can see that in Matt Freeman's face. And, you know, the you get to get the basic understanding of each of the dwarves as well. So, to me, that wasn't an issue. But when you had... They created, obviously, Azog just to have a villain in this movie, because they're 
Smog really isn't really the villain either because he's killed mm-hmm. one, two thirds of the way into the book, and then the last third is nothing about Smog. So I mean, he's not he's not the main adversary. The main adversary technically is Thorin's greed, which they after <laughs> which watching, is hard to translate into a movie. <laughs> well, I I have to say this real quick. On it in the second. Now yeah. I speaking right. of extended editions, I received the Hobbit Unexpected Journey. Um, extended edition for Christmas and watched it. And for the most part, the added scenes were just, you, there was a reason why they were cut. I mean, it just, they were like, they, they weren't all that interesting. But there were some scenes that were like, they were the talking scenes where they talked about when they had some exposition going on about what happened to the Dwarven Rings. That made sense to me because, you know, they, they mentioned them in, in the, the prologue of Fellowship and that's it. Um, but I just, I don't know where I was going with this. Um, the, 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 the chase scenes, the chase scenes, some of those were like longer. There were more scenes of, of Bilbo wandering around Rivendell looking at stuff. And it's like, I just don't give a fuck. Whereas with the extended I'll, I'll editions of the a little bit, sorry, they put that in for me. Uh... <laughs> I mean, they're gorgeous. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but you can... You sit down watching the extended the story, edition knowing it's story. not going to be concise. You know yeah. it. Um, well, and I can't... Chase, I'm glad you said chase scenes because I get just really bored during chase and fight scenes. Even if they're necessary. So I don't consider myself a good judge of whether they were <laughs> excessive or not because pretty much once you get once you get past and so and so fought and so and so won, I'm like, okay, that's really that's really too much. That's cool. Because so. you got you got Radagast's chase scene, you've got the dwarves <sighs> yeah. running away from the the war riders to go into Rivendell chase scene. You mm-hmm. have the stone giants scene, which was a paragraph in the book and it and it just drags the movie out an extra five or seven minutes. Yeah. It wasn't a paragraph. It was a page and a half. Yeah, I, I, I don't even know about that. They, mm-hmm. he, he it, it seems almost like the stone giants are more an alliteration than anything else. Now there was there. They did in the book. They did go into uh, some detail of the basically confusing them until the sun came up. And that did take mm-hmm. a while because he had to do a variety of things. Oh, no, 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 that's the trolls. That's the trolls. Oh, that's the trolls. I'm sorry. I'm talking the stone giants. The, the trolls make sense. I didn't have an issue with that scene because mm-hmm. I like that scene. I thought the, that was good. The stone giants yeah. in the Misty Mountains. The stone Mountains giants obviously they, went right over my head. Yeah, that was, that was completely unnecessary. Um, I kind of got why Goblin Town needed to be a little bit more of an epic battle, but once again, it turned into an action set piece and the the sliding down rails and going down gullies. And I mean, it just, it went on and on. And then yet again, another chase scene that you had when they're trying to go up the trees. And then, I mean, it was just like one chase scene after another. So yeah, I'm with you, Court. It, it. Yeah, so I, I didn't know whether that was just me. I just normally assume that's just me. Because if they drag on much more than 30 seconds, I'm falling asleep. I think it was just yeah. Peter Jackson got a hold of a 3D camera and nobody dared tell him to knock it off. Oh, well, that happens with a lot of people. Well, now, we something... saw that happen to the to the prequel trilogy of the entire Star Wars series. Yeah, yeah. Something Something that I don't hear you guys saying anything okay. about is the scenes with the scenes in the first one at least with uh galadriel and saruman 
I didn't mind those because they were kind of in the appendixes. And so I had no issues with that either, but I heard a lot of people complain that thought that wasn't necessary. I thought it was actually a great addition. That type of stuff doesn't phase me. You know, if, if, if now to a degree, what's that? Didn't have a problem with it at all. Yeah. To me, um, I'm a lore junkie. I love Mm -hmm. lore. I mean, I've, I mean, all I have to do is explain, like, for example, the Mass Effect trilogy. I've played that through three times because I love the lore. Um, every single game at least three times. And and I've read all of the codex information entries because I love that shit. So to me, little bits like that where they're giving you more information or they're connecting things together doesn't phase me. Mm-hmm. Unnecessary scenes that serve no purpose irritate me yeah and i think there were a lot less of those in the second one it flowed better there were sections that were longer than they needed to be oh i think we lost them we're in the move in the middle of the movie i'm like oh my god this thing is really fucking long it wasn't until the end of the movie when it finished up that i went Wow, that was a lot longer than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, because I've heard so many people complain, you know, once again, that it's three movies with a short book. I don't have a problem with that mm-hmm. intrinsically, because as I said, I think I think most books are, there's too much in them to really do any justice sure. in a movie anyway. So I think you could have adding all that stuff, especially since these were two plus hour movies. Yeah. Yeah. Nine minutes is fine, people. It's good. Okay. Um, now we've got a couple other movies here, but let's let's just very quickly. Um, I know I'm going to skip Da Vinci Code unless just for the sake of uh, sake of time. Um, I see that you mentioned the Da Vinci Code on here. Did, did, was there any major points that you wanted to hit on that? Because I think we need to talk about Dracula at least for the sake mm. of Courtney. Yeah. The problem that I have it is. Wrong actors for the roles. Um, I mean, Tom Hanks is a wonderful actor, but he doesn't play smart real well. Um, <laughs> I, I, I hate to say that, but for the I am not a Tom Vin- Hanks fan. So uh, for the Da Vinci Code, you need a a an actor who can pull off absolutely brilliant. I mean, not just because they're smart, that they can show you through uh, th- their physical acting that they're thinking through something and they can see it. Um, and the whole special effects they use to show his thinking process, stupid. <laughs> it, I mean, it's just, just Ron, way did, out on the far end, stupid. Ron, it, this is Ron Howard, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think he's lost his touch much like a lot of like Steven Spielberg over time. I think he's, he's another one of those directors that I think has become far too, bloated in general just with their with nobody dares tell them that's a bad idea because they had a couple of good movies yeah and i think i think he in his since da vinci code he has had the kick in the head and he has gone back to what he has done well in the past the small actor centric movies and he is going to have realized his mistake and moved on but yeah da vinci code would have been brilliant because at least the, the supporting actors were really well done. The main actor just lost it, and uh, he took the movie with him. Okay. All right. Uh, Dracula. 
Mm, yes, and I'm talking, I'm talking the book and the Coppola movie, not the TV series that's on right now. Because <laughs> that really, has nothing to do with the. That book. has nothing to do with it. That is actually a prime example of what I generally don't like, which is you're just cashing in on the name. But I really like the series, so you know I'll I'll, I'll move on. Okay. Yeah, the, the the book, the book and the Coppola movie. There were so many things that I actually thought. Coppola did really well with this movie, and this is this was my 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 senior year um, my my senior year uh, term paper in high school was on psycho psychosexual symbolism in Dracula. So <laughs> I, I did a lot of because I was because I was an odd child, uh, and so was my teacher. So so I, I did a lot of of studying on this, and I one of the things that I thought. Did really the, that he did really well. That a lot of people, at least back in Indiana, complained about was the, was all the all the sex that he added and the you know, the scenes with uh, the scenes with Lucy and the wolf form beast and everything mm-hmm. and all sorts of stuff. A lot of people at the time I remember really complaining about that. You know, why did you add that? You're doing that just to sell just to sell stuff because that wasn't in the book. Blah 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 blah. This is a case where I actually think they did a really good job in updating the theme to a point where it was still going to grab people's attention nowadays. Because for the time, you know, Bram Stoker's book was just scandalous. Mm. It was chocked full of all sorts of, of, you know, sexual innuendo and things that would have just, you know, made, you know... made, 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 made the women faint and everything that, you know, you could apply it. And if you would translated that literally mm-hmm. into scream it, it wouldn't have had that effect on people these days okay or then which i guess is what 20 plus years <laughs> i guess um yeah um it wouldn't have had it wouldn't have grabbed people that way and it wouldn't have had the same effect and part of the theme of that book was in my opinion how how shocking and awful some of the stuff was so you had to update that so mm-hmm. i had Utterly no issues with that whatsoever. I thought that was a good updating that was faithful of the theme to communicate the theme of the book. Okay. However, (laughs) and don't get me wrong, my 16-year-old swooning self loved this. (laughs) Adding the whole adding the whole romance story, I that you know was done to make it a more you know palatable movie. I'm sure, but. Part of the point of the book was that he had no motivation, other than other than you know it is it's you know he is evil and there's this awful thing that we don't understand and then there's the whole Freudian you know the foreigner is coming for our women and we must we must defend. Part of what made that so horrible is that there there was no clear explanation for why he did stuff. Mm-hmm. That you didn't really understand his logic. He was just a force of nature. You give him the you give him the reincarnated the reincarnated. He's not this big scary force of nature anymore. That I felt really was against the theme of the book. Don't okay. get me wrong. As I said, my swooning sixteen year old self loved it, but and now it's you know a huge trope and everything, but. Some part of me is always disappointed when you see that in a Dracula story because sure. that is so counter to what what he intended. I don't have a problem with things being added, changed, updated 
as long as it's within the theme of what the author was trying to communicate. And that is actually opposite, in my opinion. Okay. So let's let's uh, let's tie this all together here, and let's let's take this back now. You know, granted, we try to make this a moderate geek podcast, but we still have our strong opinions. That's what I thrive off of, and my entire pathos itself. But I cut my Dracula speech by about forty-five minutes. You're safe. <laughs> <laughs> Why does this matter so much to us? Why do we get so worked up about changes to our literary? masterpieces so to speak because we're invested in them and i mean a lot of these books i mean ender's game is the odd one out of here because it's it is literally a quick six hour read uh most of these are days weeks months worth of invested time and when you put that much effort into seeing something to its end when you see someone hack it up into pieces so that it fits in 90 minutes you're just setting yourself up to be offended okay well and like you were saying Aaron you were talking about how many of these things you read when you were 13 you know yes. so many of these are are pivotal childhood early teen or I'm losing people just again just a couple of years ago but you know yeah, when you when you see something that yeah you are that invested in because it did have an effect on you and it's always going to be better in your head. Of course. It's yeah, it's it's it becomes almost personal whether it should or shouldn't. So uh, where my opinion comes in is I'm okay with changes if I can see in the writer and the director that they loved the source material as much as I did. Mm -hmm. If they had to make changes for the sake of modern simplicity if they had to change it to make it more action oriented and and but i can still see that they there's there's nods to the material then i'm okay with it so so say for example you know in comic books and the comic book movies there's obviously drastic changes that have to occur but to me as long as they make it as long as you can see the love is there and the studio isn't driving it to make a bigger buck I, Wolverine. <laughs> Wolverine Origins or the Wolverine? Because <laughs> I still haven't yes. seen the second one. But yeah, Wolverine Origins. I mean, I couldn't even get sit through that because, or or X Men Three because I mean, it was obvious that that was driven by the studios, not the love of the characters. It had nothing to do with it. Um, I think as long as, I mean, you're always going to have people that are just not going to be okay with it. No change, no movie, no nothing. It's never going to be good enough and. And it gives us something to complain about. And so thus we still love to watch it. <laughs> and we can have a podcast. Yes. <laughs> but it's, it, I, I think when commercial, there's always going to be commercial ends, um, um, uh, motivations in all of this. I mean, let's just be realistic. I mean, the, the people who create the things that we love did it because they had to try and make a living. Um, but I think when, when it's so evident that they're trying to sell action figures or they're trying to make an extra movie or they're trying to capitalize off of, you know, the popularity of something else that, that captured that lightning in a bottle. That's, I think where you're always going to see geek rage come out every single time. Yeah. If you don't love the story, make a different movie. 
you know that's that's kind of my thing yeah when you're when you're changing so much so that it bears next to no resemblance to it anymore why did you even start with that mm -hmm. other than to make a buck that's annoying so I think we, we still continue to live in a golden age of geekdom. Um, some people will complain that there's no such thing as geeks anymore because it's been commercialized to such a degree. Um, and there's there's truth to that, too. But you know what? We can't all be hipsters and try and love everything before it was cool. You know, there's 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 a certain satisfaction that you get when you finally can say, now other people can understand why I liked it so much. Totally. But... Yeah. So that's what I hope that at, at the end of all of this is the discussion that comes out um, that continues. And if you disagree, please post us. Post us. We want to follow up on this so badly because uh, next yes. next episode we're going to be doing the Geek and Review, and I want to dedicate um, I want to dedicate a portion of the episode if people send us in emails, if they tweet us, if they. Um, postings on the D20 radio forums, any number of things. Um, I want to get your opinions because in the end, it's your, you guys are the ones that drive this anyway. So let's hear what your opinions are. When is it okay? When is it not okay for adaptations to deviate from um, the literary work? So uh, don't forget how to contact us. So, uh I think that about wraps it up at this point. Um, so any last words from either you, Clayton, or Courtney? If you are a filmmaker listening to this podcast, God damn it, learns from what we've talked to, <laughs> talked to about bit, bit. I hope you've learned something. And in the same regard, don't always operate off of fan service. There's something uh, that where things go too far. Yeah. But if you're a filmmaker listening to this podcast, thanks and let us know. We'd love to have you on. Yes. <laughs> Please. Yeah. And um yeah, and then and then also that pesky iTunes. Please write us reviews because that's the only way that people will ever find out who we are. So we're still not getting those, but then again, you know, Apple sucks, so you know, that might be Aren't, the problem. It's either that or we send or we send Aaron Clayton out on a street corner with the sandwich board and I'm thinking iTunes would probably be better for everyone. Probably. So, um, so final bit here. Um, this is my question. I'm going to throw it out out to you. Um, what's the one Christmas present that you got, assuming that you celebrate that or Saturnalia or whatever, um, that that encapsulates that which is geeky that you want to share? Legos. <laughs> yes, I, I yes, I'm a 40 year old lego fan and i am going to uh, be uh, posting in the next week or so uh i uh time lapse of me putting together my uh 3000 piece sydney opera house lego uh creation wow. wow yeah he wow. has rich in-laws <laughs> or at least better off in-laws than i do that's for sure yeah. i well, love them my my husband got me the complete uh, the the complete set for the H.P. Lovecraft Historical Society's Chagath on the Roof, the the book the the uh, CD and the documentary about it, which is totally awesome. That encompasses the theater geek and the Lovecraft geek. But what my sister got me, I don't know if you guys can if you guys can see this. My sister got me 
a a uh, Dark Shadows dramatic reading called Blood Dance, which is Dark Shadows with a belly dancer. <laughs> why did I not? Why did I not know this existed? <laughs> I opened it. I opened it up, and I'm like, that is just awesome. So I'm pretty sure, yeah, that makes me a nerd. But that's okay. That's okay. We love that's you, what we're about. Thanks. Um, I got the board game Betrayal uh, at House on the Hill, which I great game. I actually got my mother to play the game and enjoy the hell out of it. So, um, we'll do another board game episode in the future, and I'll talk about that in a little bit in detail. But um, I was quite thrilled to finally have that, and thank you, Will Wheaton and Tabletop YouTube Videocast for showing that to me. Great stuff. Well, I think at this point, uh, it's definitely time to wrap things up and edit things. So um, I just have to say this, uh, this is Preacher 23, saying don't just embrace your inner geek. Make love to it and have an amazing new year in 2014. And this is Clayton, and I once again thank you for spending a long time getting Geekhead from us tonight. (laughs) And this is Courtney reminding you that a tentacle in the hand is worth two in the... Never mind. Transmission of Radio.